Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is Pushing the Odds, presented by the Circus Sports Million Pro Football Contest, which guarantees $4 million in total prize money, and the Circus Sports Survivor Pro Football Contest, which guarantees $6 million to the last player standing. Go to circusports.com for overlay updates. Now back to Las Vegas with Matt Peralt. Then goes empty again. Third and eight at the Eagles' 35-yard line. There's the snap. He throws it down the field. Oh, that is Chase Claypool into the end zone for a Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. Wide open from 35 out, and Ben kind of knew it. 32 teams in 32 shows. We are down to just six. Pittsburgh. Steelers. Let's go to the senior editor and a writer and podcast host for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Jeff Hartman, joining us here on the Progressive Guest Line. Jeff, Matt Peralta, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. Okay, so here we are heading towards the end of camp. In your mind right now, what is the number one storyline impacting the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think for people to pay attention to the team and not just the national media, you know, national media is talking about Roethlisberger and his arm and his age and T.J. Watt's contract. Now, the talking point to me is the offensive line. Uh, you're talking about five players that are starting in, in, I guess you could say, new positions. The only return would be Zach Banner at right tackle, where he didn't even complete a game last season at right tackle before he tore his ACL in week one at New York uh, when they played the Giants on Monday Night Football. Every other position along that offensive line is completely different. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad, but it's just unproven. And to throw, I guess, but put some salt in the wound, they haven't even they hadn't even practiced together as a unit until the week leading up to the uh, Saturday night game against Detroit last Saturday at Heinz Field. So that, to me, is the biggest talking point amongst the Steelers right now. And that's where I am, too. And that's why I think the Steelers win less than nine games this year because I don't trust the offensive line with an aging quarterback who doesn't move. Why didn't the team address, uh, at the top of the draft, the offensive line? 
Well, I mean, I think you had to look at what positions were necessary or needed, and then where else were the team needs. And obviously they felt that they their philosophy, not necessarily mine or anyone else's, was a dynamic running back can help improve and we'll put it we'll say a mediocre offensive line. Whether that's fact or fiction is yet to be seen with Najee Harris in his rookie season. However, I think, you know, they also had a plan, and that plan was they wanted the running back first. I, I, think, I think Najee Harris was their pick all along, unless he got taken ahead of them, obviously. They weren't going to trade up for him. And they get Fryermuth, which was a surprise for me in the second. I thought they'd go center, and then they get center in the third round with Kendrick Green. Um, I do like their offensive line picks. They just didn't attack it early. And we'll see if it, put, if it pays off and the trust that they have and the players that they were able to acquire, players like Trey Turner moving Chukes Accor forward to left tackle. Uh, it, it, we'll see. You know, they're going to need big step-ups from guys like Kevin Dotson at left guard. They're going to need Zach Banner to come back and be everything that he was last year when he won the right tackle job and then some. So we'll see. It's very unproven. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but it's very unproven. Who replaces Pouncey? Who replaces the leadership that they lost off last year's team as well, in particular with the offensive line? I mean, the offensive line, I think everyone naturally is going to turn to Trey Turner. I mean, because Trey Turner, he might not be the most vocal guy. He's been there. He's done that. He's done everything except win a Super Bowl. He was in a Super Bowl with Carolina. Um, He's been to Pro Bowls, very successful, and he's coming off a dreadful injury-plagued 2020 campaign. But ultimately, I think he's the guy that players like Kendrick Green, who he's playing right next to at center, and Kevin Dotson, who's still only in his second year at left guard, and, and heck, even Zach Banner, who's been in the league for a long time, but this will be his first time unless, you know, last season when he was a starter in week one but got injured. And this is his first season that, that with expectations placed on him when he signed that new two-year contract this past offseason. I think it's Trey Turner. People may disagree with that. People may also kind of shudder at that, but they just don't have a lot of experience along that line. So I think it's naturally or it's natural for players to kind of turn to a player like that with that background and glean information from him. Given Ben Roethlisberger's age, and, well, let's be honest, injuries are now becoming more of a commonplace when it comes to him, who's going to win the backup quarterback job? Is it Rudolph? Is it Haskins? Dobbs? I mean, who's going to be number two behind Roethlisberger? In my opinion, it's going to be it's going to be Rudolph, but I don't think it's going to be like QB two, QB three. I think it's going to be like QB two A and QB two B with Dwayne Haskins. And I do think that if let's say it was a 2019 repeat where Roethlisberger tears his elbow up in week two against Seattle, and then they're relying on backups the rest of the way, I think that Mason Rudolph will get the first shot at it. But I don't think he would have a long leash. They they like Dwayne Haskins. They like him enough to bring him in. There's been nothing but good things said about him since he's come into the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Matt Canada likes him. He's comfortable in his offense. He ran a similar style offense at Ohio State. Um, it's a different organization than Washington where he was drafted. And so I think that if Roethlisberger were to be injured for a long period of time, four games plus, we'll put it that way, I think it would be Rudolph that gets the first crack at it. But Dwayne Haskins would be on deck, meaning if Rudolph is struggling, I don't think Tomlin would hesitate a in the blink of an eye, to say, Haskins, you're in there, let's go see what you can do. If Ben Roethlisberger were to retire at the end of the year, could you see Dwayne Haskins being the quarterback QB1 next year? I think it would at least be a competition with Mason Rudolph. You know, Mason Rudolph signed that one-year extension this past offseason, so they're guaranteed to have him in the fold for the 2022 season. I think it would be a legitimate camp battle to see who would be the starting quarterback, and that's to assume that they're not going to do something crazy like 
trade up and get a quarterback in the draft or anything like that. I think that if the Steelers trust both of these players enough, I don't think one player is going to have it given to them. It's going to be who earns it in the preseason and in training camp, so that would be a really interesting battle to watch. I have to think that, to be honest with you, I think that Mason Rudolph, like I said, would be the leader in the clubhouse in that competition, but Haskins wouldn't be far behind. What do you make of Benny Snell's role coming up? Obviously, Najee Harris is drafted to be running back one, but how will Benny Snell be used in the offense this season? Uh, not much, if you ask me. Uh, he's been injured all of training camp. Uh, last season was very – he had, was kind of hit or miss. You know, he had some good games uh, early on in the season, and the Steelers kind of abandoned the run altogether. Uh, but he hasn't been available this uh, this training camp. You know, they always say your best ability is your availability, and he hasn't had that. And so when you think about Najee Harris and the way that Mike Tomlin and his offenses like to use the running back, he is going to get all the carries until he literally needs a break. And so far in training camp, it's been Anthony McFarland, second year back out of Maryland, has been getting the carries. Uh, and then you had thrown in Kalen uh, Balage, who's kind of a journeyman now. He's played with several NFL teams. He has been playing well. He's been getting rave reviews from Mike Tomlin. I'm not sure how many running backs they're going to keep, but right now, Benny Snell's the odd man out. And so people want to talk about you know projected yards. I, I wouldn't expect much from Benny Snell if he makes the team. Interesting. Jeff Hartman uh, behind the steel carton joining us here on Pushing the Odds. So when you look at the defense, obviously T.J. Watts had just an incredible start to his NFL career, but, but who else has flashed here in training camp defensively for Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, I think if you're looking at outside linebacker, it's Alex Highsmith, second-year guy in Charlotte. Um, last season, he came in and looked good, spelling Dupree and or Watt. He can rush from both sides, and now this year, everyone expected that big sophomore jump, and that's exactly what he has provided thus far. Now, granted, it's a small sample size, and it's a preseason, but in my opinion, you can glean something from the preseason in regards to if you are dominant, even if you're going up against a backup, you're going to make them look silly, and that's exactly what he's done. I think he's going to be an impact player, Everyone thinks that, you know, without Bud Dupree, how is it going to impact T.J. Watt? I think Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram, let's not forget about him, who's healthy and looks really good, they're going to be able to counteract, you know, and, and kind of replace Bud Dupree as a combination. I think the pass rush is still going to be unbelievable. You, you figure two, it'll be back. Hayward, Alulu uh, up, up front. You can throw in Devin Bush is going to be back at inside linebacker. They pick up Joe Schobert. The secondary looks solid outside of the fact that, you know, Stephen Nelson's spot is going to be vacated. They're not sure what they're going to do there. Uh, and Mike Hilton's spot, those two spots are still in the secondary kind of up for grabs. Other than that, I think this defense could be even better than last year. What concerns you on this roster? What part, other than the offensive line, is there another area that you're concerned about for the Steelers? Yeah, it's that opposite corner of Joe Hayden. So we know Joe Hayden is Joe Hayden. And opposite him, you have to ask yourself, who's going to take that Steven Nelson role? So they signed Cam Sutton to a two-year contract this offseason. They like what he brings, extremely versatile, former dimebacker in sub-packages. And now they're not sure, is he going to be the outside? Is he going to move in to the interior for the dime like he typically has? Who's going to fill the nickel spot? Like the cornerback position uh, on is just a glaring concern right now on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, again, it's not so much that I think it's going to be a weakness or an Achilles heel for the Steelers. It's just that it's just not decided yet, and it's going to be one of those camp battles that's going to go all the way through Friday night when they go to Carolina. Jeff, you mentioned Carolina on Friday. The Steelers are one of the two teams, them and the Cowboys, who will play the traditional or old traditional four preseason games. This is number four for them on Friday. Any idea what the plan's going to be? Are they going to play anybody of note on Friday? 
I wouldn't be shocked if players like the offensive line gets more repetitions together. Uh, someone like Zach Banner that I mentioned only played 12 snaps in week three for the Steelers. It's only week two in the NFL preseason. Uh, he played 12 snaps before coming out. I would imagine they want to at least get him a couple series, a couple drives to get him reacclimated. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't expect to see Ben Roethlisberger. I wouldn't expect to see uh, Joe Hayden, the Cam Hayward, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Some of the other ones that have been given off the first two preseason games, I wouldn't expect it. Mike Tomlin has been very mum on this. He's not willing to say Ben's going to be out or Ben is going to play. He's he's always saying we're just going to take it a day at a time. You know the coach speak. So I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen. I wouldn't bank on any starters playing if they do for very long on Friday night. Jeff, the Steelers have their bye in week seven. Those first six games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One, how do you feel about it? And two, what's a realistic number of wins for Pittsburgh in the first six? Uh, well, the, the first six, you know, everyone talks about the way the, the season ends on the Steelers' schedule, rightfully so. It's kind of like a murderer's row. To me, it's a, that just makes the first six that that much more important. Um, they have to play those six games well. I would say that they have to be four and two at worst, in my opinion, after those first six. And that's not easy. It's a tough nope. schedule this year. Um, if they can be four and two at the bye, fans should be happy, and then they should be ready to go for a post bye. Uh, but then again, as Steelers fans, if you talk to them, they bring up the bye at all. They're going to talk about 2020 and how their bye got all screwed up because of the Titans, and they're going to say, well, who knows when the bye will be. So that's true, too. But ultimately, I think that four and two, three and three would be tough to come back from. Uh, but you know what? It, you just never know. I mean, I always point to last season with the Dallas Cowboys. That game in Dallas is really going to be, you know, Dak Prescott versus Ben Roethlisberger. Well, we know what happens with Dak, and that game completely changes. So um, looking at the schedule, I think that first part, they have to take advantage of it. Baltimore, Minnesota, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Baltimore is the last six that you're referencing. That's going to be really, really hard. If you go four and two at the top, how do they end the year in those final six games? Well, the way that they've been ending seasons under the Mike Tomlin regime the last few years, and especially the way 2020 ended, if they could just be 500 in those six, I think that most Steelers fans would say, yep, that I, I like it, we'll take it, and hopefully the rest <laughs> of the season went good enough that that's good enough for a playoff spot. Um, you know, if you get better than 500, I think you're you're clicking your heels and you're extremely happy. But we all understand as fans that it's not going to be easy. That is a really, really tough road to host. So we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Jeff, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks for having me. That is Jeff Hartman at jhartman underscore pit. He's the senior editor, writer, podcast host for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joining us here on the Progressive Guest Line, drivers of Progressive save on average $750 per year. More on the Steelers' schedule next year. I'm pushing the odds.